Welcome to the Feel Better Naked Radio, where your host, Samantha Burgos, sits with influential beings to discuss how they feel better naked. Let's explore what it means to be you. Let's learn how to feel better naked. Hey everyone, welcome to the Feel Better Naked podcast. This is your host, Samantha Burgos, and today I have the honor of having uh, Deanna Anunua Fernandez, and she is a friend of mine that I've followed on Instagram for almost two years now, maybe or so. I'm not sure, but um, she is super intelligent, um, and she inspires me with everything she does. And she's a psychotherapist, and she personally, I believe, you work for yourself, Deanna, right? I believe, yeah, which is amazing. I feel like as a woman, and just awesome. So I guess yeah, tell us a little about yourself. I don't want to kind of just introduce you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, hi everyone. My name is Deanna. Um, yes, I'm a psychotherapist, and I am also an entrepreneur. I recently opened up my private practice um, October of last year. Congrats! Amazing. Thank you, thank you. And just became fully licensed about a month ago. So that that process is behind me now thankfully <laughs> um so yeah i work in private practice primarily with women of color most specifically with um black women hispanic women um with on a continuum of mental health stuff um mood disorders to taking a proactive approach to our mental health and physical health um so yeah okay amazing how did you end up in therapy like what led you to that good question <laughs> back so when I got out of the military I got out of the military in 2010 okay um oh my god so long ago and <laughs> yeah I was having a hard time transitioning from the military I joined right out of high school so it's pretty much all I knew um and yeah I enrolled in college I was a first generation college student and there was a lot to not only transitioning but also navigating college when you don't really know where to start and it feels very overwhelming um, and I was also working full time on Wall Street. I don't know how I was doing all of that, but um, a combination of all of that. You were studying school and working like in finance in general, all at once. All at once, yeah. So I, was I know, I know, <laughs> I know. All I gotta say is thank you, God, for coffee. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I was working full time um, on Wall Street and was also attending college at John Jay full-time for my bachelor's in the evening. Okay. Um, so yeah, a combination of that and, and really just trying to find myself um, is what brought me to, to therapy. A colleague of mine at the time had recommended that I, that I go and speak with someone. So okay. um, that I did. <laughs> yeah. How did you end up specifically wanting to work with women of color? Like why women and then why women of color per se? Yeah. Um, well, first off, I feel like it's there, I resonate the most with them. Um, and what brings them in is, is typically a lot of the stuff that I've, I've worked on and continue to, whether it's anxiety or depression or imposter syndrome, um, family trauma, right? Racial mm -hmm. trauma, race-based stress. Um, a lot of the things that I, like I said, dealt with and continue to. So I just felt like I would be the most help most helpful and, and honestly would make the greatest impact working with young women of color. Um, the mentorship piece too, I think is really important as well as the visibility piece. Um, when I was searching for a therapist, uh, 2012, um, 
it was really hard to find a woman of color to be, you know, as a therapist. And so that was important for me when I made the decision, I was actually on my way to law school. I was preparing to go to law school. Um, and I had made a decision right after I graduated, like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna become a therapist. Um, and so, yeah, I wanted to be intentional about, about working with women of color. That's amazing. I love that. No, and I, I could see that. I, I, to be honest, I was looking for a therapist a while back and you're right. Like, it's really difficult to find a woman of color, which is like interesting. Cause I feel like it's, there's so many of us. Yeah. <laughs> No, and there are, I mean, I think even right now, like I, I've actually been um, connecting with a lot more too on social media. Um, so there are a lot of them and, and uh, there are many great resources, including Therapy for Black Girls to find them. Um, but there's still so many other barriers, right? Like insurance, if they're not a network. Right. Um, so it can create still um, a battle for a lot of people to, to find one and connect with one and then the right fit too, right? Like just because I'm a woman of color doesn't necessarily mean that I'm going to be, you know, the right fit for, for a client. So that's also important too. Right. Okay. What's well, currently, I guess, for you personally, um, I know obviously with everything that's going on in the world, um, things are somewhat limited, but anything you're currently working on, like personal projects or things you have coming up for you? Oh, um, you know, it's funny at the start of this whole like COVID thing, I was like, okay, I'm going to adjust to working online and, and, and pivot. Um, and also wanting to take the time to do more like creative stuff. I feel like I've been so like deep into academia work that, um, yeah, I wanted to strengthen like the creative side of my brain. So yeah. branding, I, 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 I dug my heels into learning how to do website stuff. Um, I was actually working with Kayla for a while. Um, so it was cool to see you guys do the podcast, but yeah. she, was helping me, she helped me a lot, actually, like just kind of nail down what I envision for my personal brand, my professional brand. Yeah. Um, and branding is hard. <laughs> it's Girl, hard. Branding is, hard. <laughs> branding is no joke. <laughs> no joke. I, I saw a quote that said, um, branding is an inside job and I couldn't agree more. It really is. <laughs> Um, so I don't know if that counts as like a personal, like passion project, but, but the branding stuff has been, it's been fun to do. Um, so that, that's well, branding yourself, like therapy with D overall. Okay. Branding okay. myself, branding my practice, even just getting back on social media. I was off for almost a year after we got married. I just kind of wanted to take time to transition in, into being a newlywed and, and social media around the time was like really starting to affect my mental health. Okay. Um, so yeah, I, I took some time away and, and even just getting back on, like trying to get my feet wet again, it's been, it's been interesting. <laughs> no, I, I, I can't agree less, especially with how things are now. Um, <laughs> so I wanted to have you on because I feel like besides that you're an amazing inspirational woman, I think that it would be like, oh, you are. And I think it would be great to have your insights as not only besides being a psychotherapist, just being a woman of color, like living during this times and just like, yeah and just overall I guess what are what have you noticed and I guess what are your ideas and I guess tips on how to be mentally stable it might sound a little dramatic but to be legit mentally stable during a time like this yeah so I know at first we uh, were planning to be completely like blunt on the podcast that we were planning to like discuss um just quarantine lockdown COVID like you know the whole transition of that but like how you mentioned earlier like the it's that's almost not insignificant but it's almost like 
on like a side compared to everything else that's going on besides like the whole um just race thing also just sexuality stuff that's also going on with pride month and everything it's just like a lot you know yeah there's a lot um where do I even start? Yeah, right, I know. <laughs> I don't even know where to start. Um, I guess, I guess I would say, well, to start, right, um, there is a lot going on, and I'm not sure that, uh, it's not, it, it's a time where being unstable, I guess, for lack of a better word, or, or, or not being okay is totally warranted and totally valid. I think a lot of us are experiencing experiencing a, a, a multitude of emotions and it's very nuanced. Um, and so, yeah, just, just really working to make space for all those feelings and, and validate them, I think is the first step. Um, so for instance, a lot of what's been coming up in my work recently is this sort of, I work with a lot of women who um, also struggle with um, like racial ambiguity stuff or, or racial stress in their own unique way, being multiracial or biracial women of color. Um, and I think that's bringing up a lot for, for them, for us, right? Um, just in terms of, right, kind of already living life, caught in the in-betweens of, of being biracial or multiracial um, and this piece of identity, right? Uh, of visible identity and also invisible identities. Um, and with everything going on right now, sort of feeling like, um, you know, I have my own unique racial trauma or racial stress, and it doesn't feel like I have this, you know, the stage right now. I don't, I don't feel like I have the microphone right now to sort of speak to that, to speak to those feelings. Um, and so the good thing is, in therapy, obviously, you can talk about all that and make space for it and unpack it. But I do think that there's a there's sort of this um, underlying feeling of like, I can't really be vocal about it on social or we can't really make space for it publicly because right now the black community has, as they should, right? Um, they have the, they have the microphone. And so really kind of um, holding space for two truths, right? Like right. standing in solidarity with the black community doesn't necessarily invalidate, you know, your own racial trauma or racial discrimination or stress, excuse me, stress. Um, and so, yeah, I think that's, that's hard for people to do. Um, but that's definitely something that's been coming up in my work the past few weeks, for sure. You know, it's really interesting because I've never thought of that until you mentioned it. It's very true, though. So, yeah, I've, I've never considered that. Interesting. Okay, no, seriously. And I think yeah. when you, I find it curious to say making space, like you as a therapist, like what do you mean by making space for these things? Like when you say that, what do you mean by that? Like how can yeah. someone make space, you know? How does someone make space? Well, I think first and foremost, it starts with ourselves. I think we're so used to and conditioned to deny or repress or minimize or, or even compare our feelings too, right? Of, um, I work with a lot of women who are, are high performing and high achieving and really struggle with um, low self-esteem and, and guilt and self-doubt and self-worth. Um, and so right now, I feel like that's, that's also being triggered in the sense of um, not only with COVID, right, productivity and feeling low about themselves in terms of what they're able to do or what, you know, what as a result of their stress, what they're not able to do. And then also this situation compounding it too of like, um, you know, I think for people who are biracial, multiracial, identify as such, also to the way that society perceives them with their visible identities, um, it can cause a lot of, um, I think, confusion and disorientation. 
yeah. um, in terms of like, where do I stand? How do I tap into this conversation? What's my role? Um, and I think a lot of people are feeling that way in general, regardless of maybe how they identify. But I do think that they, we're talking about it in the context of racial identity. And for people who haven't really fleshed that out <laughs> or, right. or, or, you know, have grown in their racial consciousness, I think um, it's just been a really like weird time for them. Um, so by making space, I mean by literally making space for it, right? In session, just kind of opening up for unprocessed or, or not fully thought out, you know, thoughts or feelings um, and working to try to make, make sense of them and, and honor them and nurture them in ways that we don't continue to sort of, um, you know, deny them or, or, or minimize them or invalidate them, which is really important right now for everybody. No, you're right. You're right. I think I, you have a good point that I think during this time, um, to be completely honest, I've never considered race a thing for myself. So during this time, I had to like kind of like what you said, like figure out where I stand, you know, which is interesting because I feel, um, and I'm not sure if that's social media pressures in a way, you know, because I feel like sometimes um, I've even caught myself, to be blunt, I've caught myself like saying, am I posting enough about what's currently going on? Am I, am I looking like, I'm almost considering what I look like to the public by say not posting or posting. You know what I mean, I think it's been like uh, interesting in a way. Um, how do you think, I guess, how should people approach how to take a stand? <laughs> just, no, it's true. Because I feel like sometimes like I've had um, friends that aren't of color, you know, and they just don't know what to do. They almost think it's like, should I post? Like, and then I'll look like, I don't know. And then if I don't post, I look like this. And it's just like, how, yeah. how do you, I guess as a, therapist even as a woman overall how do you think people should approach um figuring themselves out or like kind of where they stand during all this or you know yeah well first I I you know I don't there's no right or wrong way to do it I mean I think that you know I agree there's a larger narrative on social media or maybe a louder narrative of yeah I mean I think the first week of everything what are we now in going on week three or two of the week three or something? yeah I think three yeah protest it's that's insane. But um, yeah, I mean, I think the first week of everything when, when um, the murders really sparked this really loud and, and larger narrative and conversation, um, you know, there, there was this sense of like, you know, your silence is violence, or if you don't say anything, you're complicit. Um, and so a lot of people were reactive. I know I definitely was, was, was feeling a little bit of that too, in terms of like, yeah, I mean, I'm a therapist, I'm a woman of color. I feel like my work kind of speaks for itself in that sense. And I don't really have to sort of prove that I've been doing this work or that, um, you know, or that I stand in solidarity with, with the black community. Um, but yeah, what about people who don't know me? And what about people who don't know what I do or, or aren't familiar with my work? Um, you know, is it necessary? And do I have a, a duty too, I think, as a therapist um, to be clear about that and make a statement? So you know, just personally and professionally kind of figuring out where I stand and, and being gentle with what comes up. Um, and then moving with intentionality. I mean, I think that's the biggest thing is um, what are you doing um, and what are you saying and, and what's it rooted in? Where is it coming from and what are your values? Um, it's a lot of inner work. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I want to highlight those two things you just mentioned, which is like um, being gentle with what comes up I think is yeah. so key and not said enough 
and then also being in tension with your like next step and I feel like um I guess to kind of talk more about being gentle like how um obviously this time can cause a lot of besides it coming with the whole pre-COVID situation um anxiety I'm sure is like out the roof for everyone I don't care if you're black white whatever I'm, everyone has anxiety right now um and I feel like um any tips on how to manage that anxiety or how to be gentle with things that do come up yeah good question I mean I for my work and and a lot of what I preach and, and work with with clients is um one yes making space for it right literally figuratively finding a way to um acknowledge what's coming up first and foremost I think um, mindfulness is really important because it, it strengthens our habit and our ability to be present in the moment um, which if we're not right aware of what's happening whether it's our thoughts our feelings our behaviors it's really hard to to take notice or, or change or accept right or honor anything um, so the first step is is of course awareness um, and yeah I think for many of us we're learning for the first time how to sit with discomfort right um, how to respond to our emotions in a way that's healthier, right? Um, so learning our patterns, learning what our triggers are, what our thoughts are, what our emotions are, what our behaviors are, how they're connected, um, what the relationship of, of that is for, uh, you know, for each of us, it's different. Um, but yeah, I feel like I lost my train of thought. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, it's okay. There's so much to unpack, but... I know. It's just, it's, it's a lot. It's a very, like, heavy... Not heavy, just a lot. You know, it's a lot to, like, a lot of different areas. You can discuss it. But I guess overall, maybe to, like, simplify it, but I guess action steps maybe someone can take to just cope with the anxiety of right now. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, action steps for me would look like um, very practical things, right? Like um, mindfulness, journaling, right? Like finding a way to, I think, externalize it too. I think a lot of us are used to or um, personally and, and even professionally, a lot of my clients, there's more of internalizing behavior. So instead of um, something like substance use or um, an eating disorder, right? There's more of an internalizing um, of the anxiety. Or, or even internalizing of the race-based stress too and the trauma, which I think right now it, it feels like, although it's painful and of course uncomfortable for a lot of us, um, for, for a lot of us too, it's also been sort of validating and that like, shit, I wasn't tripping, you know, when I dealt with this situation at work or, you know, the way I've been feeling about myself, like it, you know, there's this larger sort of narrative and container for it, um, which, has been both painful, but also I think validating for, for people. Um, so yeah, journaling, making, making the time to sit, giving ourselves, ourselves the time to sit with ourselves and um, self care and nurturing ourselves. And um, I know this doesn't sound something like doable outside of the therapy session. And so I'm actually working on finding a way to kind of bite-size what I do and, and, and make it digestible so that people can kind of do this work on their own. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, journaling, um, meditation. I mean, I'm, I'm really big on lifestyle changes too. I mean, it's hard to sort of address anxiety and depression when um, we're not also taking into a context of health and, and right. mental health and wellness. And that is on a spectrum always, but 
Um, how are we taking care of ourselves? How do we react to our triggers? What, you know, how do we respond when these uncomfortable or painful emotions come up? Um, do we engage in numbing behaviors? Are we self-medicating? Um, yeah, what, is it, what does it look like for each of us and unpacking that and a lot of unlearning too. Um, mm. There's so much unlearning that comes with, I think right now we're seeing a lot of, right? Like the context it feels is, is for white people to unlearn a lot of um, what, they've, what they've learned and, and believed to be true. And for all of us, I think that's true too. I, I'm personally unlearning still. Yeah. I don't think that process ever really stops. I think yeah. it's lifelong. Um, but yeah, unlearning and, and, and relearning. Therapy is no joke. It is not for the same. <laughs> at all um to really sit with yourself and 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 uncomfortable parts um it's not easy right right no, it's not easy and to continue to do the work outside of the therapy session similarly to meeting with a trainer and then doing your own work outside of the session um it takes you know it takes dedication and courage and, and vulnerability right um, it's a huge piece of it willing to be vulnerable yeah Right. You know, it's funny. I think you brought up a good point that like um, right now we're like kind of sitting, well, you're saying sitting with the discomfort. Mm -hmm. And I think that, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think this is because of COVID, it's making this even worse because we don't have anything to do but sit with the discomfort because there's nothing else to do. Yeah. You know I mean? So I almost feel like it's just like a interesting, like, and emotional AF time because like you can't go out to the bar with your friends and distract yourself with what's happening. You know what I mean? Like you can't like you just can't do like I guess numbing behaviors as much besides I guess maybe drinking whatever do drugs at home. But like yeah. there's no entertainment or distraction. You know what I mean? So I think it's um it's really interesting you mentioned that because it's true. Like I feel like right now it's almost like highlighted and you're mentioning self care and stuff and I feel like um because like I mentioned before, I, most of the podcast interviews are kind of me interviewing people on how they feel better naked. But um, again, there's no right or wrong answer to that, you know? But I guess you yourself as a woman of color, um, as a, also a psychotherapist, like what does feel better naked mean to you? And what's your approach on feeling better naked? Yeah, I love this question. <laughs> um, <laughs> Honestly, I feel like the first word that comes to mind is vulnerability, right? Um, when I think of feel better naked, I think what comes to mind is um, emotions. You know, I'm really big on emotion and emotional intelligence and um, relearning ways and unlearning ways to respond to our emotions in ways that feel empowering. Mm -hmm. um, I think a lot of us weren't really taught how to deal with emotions. There's a lot right. of um, skills and, and knowledge that I think a lot of us just lack in general. Um, and so, yeah, I, when I think of feel better, feel better naked, I think of emotions. Um, what does it look like for me to be vulnerable? Um, and even like my, my spouse, right? How, how do we um, be honest about our emotional experiences with each other? Um, in ways that bring us closer and foster, you know, intimacy and, and that connection. I think a lot of us are used to having emotional experiences that continue to, to widen the gap between two people, which um, 
obviously starts to create, you know, interpersonal conflict and stress on the relationship. And so we both try to be very intentional about, you know, not doing that. Mm-hmm. Um, just breaking cycles that we've learned through, you know, our families or, or the world. <laughs> right. Um, so yeah, try, trying to be more vulnerable. Vulnerability was my year of the word, uh, my year of the word, my word of the year. <laughs> the beginning of 2020, I started my newsletter and that was like, that was like my, my word of the year was vulnerability. Vulnerability, okay. Well, how, so how does Deanna practice being vulnerable? How does Deanna practice being vulnerable? I try to practice it when I feel the most uncomfortable. I mean, I, I'm trying to think like recently, I mean, even in the past few months, um, you know, even with going back on social media, right? Like how do I want to be vulnerable on social media? What does that look like? And I think it ultimately boils down to being authentic and being true to myself and being honest with myself. And that's not always easy. Right. Um, but yeah, when uncomfortable emotions come up, um, when I sense resistance or when I sense that internal, like turmoil or, or conflict, I really try to be gentle with it and, and be curious about it too. Like, what is this about for me? Um, what story am I telling myself that I've believed for so long? Um, that's a big one, right? Mm, The narrative that we tell ourselves. Um, so I really try to be really gentle about that even with branding i mean a lot of stuff came up for me just with branding right um, and what it's like to be an entrepreneur and and even a creative and um so yeah okay i guess how do you think that so if you can give me one tip on someone asked you like hey how can i start being more vulnerable with myself Mm. a simple answer what would you say a simple answer is there one i don't know <laughs> yeah I feel like I'm, I'm struggling here to give you like simple concrete steps um i think one it's it's hard for me to i'm i have to get into the practice of speaking in generalities for sure i'm so used to like working one-on-one and and it's so intimate and, and but it's a beautiful thing don't think it's a bad <laughs> so it how do I give it to the masses? Um, <laughs> gosh, one, one step to be vulnerable. I mean, I, I think, I guess I'll speak about me. Okay. Me, um, taking the time to be with myself, right? I think when we think of mm. self-care, we do think of these very like cutesy approaches and, and, and yes. kind of band-aid or short-term approaches. Um, but self-care is also like, how do you relate to yourself when you are in pain or discomfort? How do you treat yourself? Mm. Um, how do you sit with parts of you that, you know, might be hard to look at, right? Parts of our shadow that might be hard to, to kind of integrate and accept. Um, how do you treat yourself when you're triggered, right? Um, I think it's beautiful. I legit, I've never heard that response. And I think it's so true. Yeah. Like, legit, because you're right. I think, um, like, I mean, the main reason why I created, like, Feel Better Naked is because I feel like um, people look at self-care. Don't get me wrong. I love masks. I love bubble baths. I love all that. <laughs> I'm about it. I'm about a good Epsom salt bubble bath. Like, I'm about <laughs> it. But at the end of the day, like, it's so surface, you know, in a way, that it works for the hour being. But it's almost like, I think it's such, I think it's almost like the, nail on the head is that the thing you hit the nail on the head where like it's when you sit like 
how you treat yourself in times of, of like discomfort yeah, you know navigating internal worlds too i mean i i do a lot of that work i mean i think most people come into therapy sort of from a reactive place of like i'm in pain i don't really know what's going on something happened i got into a fight you know this is happening at work i'm stressed um and you know it's through that right of course we address you know the immediate sort of concerns and, and what's happening and, and try to address those symptoms but i think you know, I, I like to say in therapy that we don't, we can't spot reduce, right? Similarly with, with mm, I love that. You can't. It, wow, that's so it, true. <laughs> no, I've never thought of that. You're right. You know it, you're like, it's all linked uh, up. Yeah. All connected. And so when I, when I think about, you know, making space, it's, it's, what does that look like for us on, on kind of a daily? How do we build a practice of right. turning inward and, and, um, spending time with ourselves and navigating our, inter our internal world. That's something that, again, right, most of us haven't really been introduced to, the, to doing that. Right. And really don't know where to start, right? Like, right. Start? Right. So, Deanna, how do you turn inward? Like, how did, you, how did you start yourself? Like, before, I mean, how was, obviously, as a, as a psychotherapist, you think that your version and your way of self-care or uh, doing self-care, has that shifted as you've learned more? in your practice person yeah. yeah it's definitely shifted and i it's lifelong so i think the more that i obviously grow as a person it'll continue to shift right um, and each time i'm faced with something you know we learn about ourselves and so it continues to shift even throughout this practice or this time of being a therapist during covid <laughs> like right. you know, my style i think has has naturally shifted and 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 that's part of it but yeah i mean i think when i first started therapy um one i didn't know much about it i didn't really know what to expect right. um, and two you know similarly i came from a family of, of hispanics and blacks of like yeah we just don't do that we don't go and tell our business to some some stranger let alone you know a, white a therapist person. god forbid yeah <laughs> like, like the minority <laughs> culture it's like oh she's going through it she's a yeah. therapist <laughs> she's a little she's a little you know uh -huh. Um, so that was, you know, that was hard, but, um, yeah, along the, along the way, I, I learned things like, uh, inner child, right. Or, or, mm. or small T trauma, relational trauma, cultural trauma, um, intergenerational trauma, right. And, right. and learning the ways in which, um, you know, on an individual level in my own, you know, my own relationships, my own intimate relationships, um, my own experiences of, of how that influenced and impacted me to be the person that I, that I was, um, and then begin the process of, of learning and unlearning. And that process is lifelong. And I think people forget that or, or have a hard time accepting that. I think we want to get mm -hmm. to a place of like, I'm anxiety free and life is great. You know, right. what is that? Um, <laughs> you know, that, that is possible. I, I, I do believe that we get to a place where we can minimize the anxiety. But yeah. I never make the false claim of like, I'm going to treat anxiety and like, you're going to yeah. be just free when you leave my office. Um, I can't guarantee that because one, therapy isn't be all end all. And two, right. there's so many other factors that happen outside the room, happen with the person that are beyond my control. Um, so I can't ever make that claim. But I do believe by starting the work internally mm -hmm. um, and making the connection between what happens in here and how that influences our external world um we can get a better handle on 
who we are and, and get to the core of who we are. Um, and that's how you, you learn to, to live authentically. And that process is lifelong. Long, right. <laughs> right. Lifelong. Do you mind sharing a, I guess a, not a highlight, a moment that you, you remember personally that you had to like apply or do certain methods to kind of like be a little more authentic or work on yourself or like a situation where like, oh, I felt this way and I did X, Y, Z and that helped. Do you remember any? Um, hmm. Not, I guess, specifically. I feel like for you, it's like maybe because you do this, like this work, it's like almost like immediate maybe, you know what I mean? I think it is hard. You know, it's funny as you're asking me in this moment, I'm trying to think of life for therapy and it's kind of hard. Which isn't to say that I've arrived, right? But but yeah, I mean, I think a lot of what I know and do, I think at this point does feel a little bit more like it comes naturally. And so when I have right. with people, there's, there's, of course, and as a therapist, right? Like when I'm in a session, like my, my brain is just kind of operating a little bit differently um, right. as opposed to having a, a natural conversation with someone. Um, but yeah, I'm trying to think back to a specific time i mean i think what why therapy is so powerful um and can be a useful tool for for self-healing and self-discovery is that you do have a person who's who's trained right who's trained to 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 help you see things and and explore blind spots um and and guide you gently right through that pain and discomfort you know each and every time it may come up right um, with the hopes of of yeah, providing you a safe space to explore yourself. I mean, where else do we get one hour, you know, a week where we can really just talk about ourselves, right? right. Without, without having to worry about, um, you know, dumping or offloading on another person. Right. Um, so it is that one hour where you get to be selfish and, and learn yourself. And um, I think that's what makes therapy so unique too, you know? I agree. I agree. Cause you're right. It's almost, um, it is a, I never thought that either. That one hour you get to like just not feel like you're dumping all your feelings on your friends. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? It's like that's actually really, really true. Interesting. How do you feel like your um overall the connection between um well being and success and oh sorry, success. Yeah, success are like linked. Like how um you personally as like Deanna as a woman, how have you seen that for yourself? And also as a psychotherapist, like how have you seen that play out in your clients and stuff where the more they've developed their well-being, like, has that linked to success somehow? Or, you know, like, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, I think for me, um, redefining what that even means. I mean, I think mm-hmm. I had such a, like, superficial, like, right. media world-informed definition of what, you know, success meant. Um, that's and, so true. Uh, yeah. Yeah, so re- redefining that, um, and I don't know if I have an actual definition, so please don't <laughs> like, like, what is my actual definition of success, but I think we know, I think really learning to trust ourselves, right, really right. learning, and, and part of that learning and unlearning process too is, you know, what does it look like for us to get to a place of learning to trust our bodies, learning to trust our minds, our emotions, what they're telling us, right. what they're telling us. Um, 
for so long, right? We've been conditioned and socialized to relate to ourselves in a way that continues to promote, you know, disease, right? Mm -hmm. Being, being, um, or just unease with the body and the mind and the soul, right? A lot of mental health work too is, is steeped in spirituality. Um, right. So, yeah, again, I can go on and on and off on a tangent and, and <laughs> a question. Um, but well-being and success, I think, yeah, I think that's kind of it, is, is how, how can we get true with ourselves? What does that look like? Um, and the more that we can do that with ourselves, the more, the more capable I think we become with doing that with other people, whether that's right. offering more grace. Right. Right, right now, we, we're in a time where there's, there's not a lot of grace going around, right? Whether it's with ourselves and beating ourselves up about what we did for the day and how unproductive we feel, um, or, or grace for other people, people who are showing up, who are just now showing up to this conversation or just now doing the work. Um, like, where is the grace? Like, we need grace, guys. Right. Um, it's hard to do that work without it. Um, so well, you brought up two things for me. How, how can I practice grace with mm. myself? How can I do that? Yeah. yeah, I think it's just as intentional as gratitude, right? Mm -hmm. I think just as intentional as like, can we spare at least 10, 20 minutes a day with checking in with ourselves? I, I try to use, like, I'm like, guys, with my clients, use your phone, right? We have, there's apps, there's a, there's an app, there's a wellness app um, that you can set to check in with yourself three times a day. It tracks your sleep hygiene. Oh, you know what's called? Yeah, it's literally called, I can send it to you after this too, so you can link in the Yeah, I'll link in here, yeah, for sure. It's called, it's literally called Wellness. It's this, like, green okay. heart. I don't know if you can see it. Okay, yeah. Um, a client of mine actually put me onto the app. I've been trying to find a different one, um, but so far, this is the one I like the most, and literally attracts everything with your mood. So it oh, tracks your that. workouts, it tracks your sleep hygiene, your menstrual cycle, um, any medication you might be taking. Oh, that's a whole bunch. Right. <laughs> I love it. No, seriously, because I mean, we're, a lot of us are, are rushing through the day and, and not really taking the time to like, you know, 1 PM, like Deanna, how are you feeling? You know, like it's just that habit has to be reinforced. And so pardon me, that app um, can check, it checks in with you, you know, like, like how that. are you feeling right now? And so just taking even 10 minutes, right. To, to rate your mood and jot down some thoughts and, and mm -hmm. add context and, you know, over the weeks, right, you can kind of um, monitor it, right? Like what tends to sort of contribute to my energy and my mood and what does that look like? And mm. oh, I like that app, actually. It's like really smart. Yeah, because I try to, like personally myself, like I try to be intentional, um, like I have the habit of doing that in the mornings and before bed. Mm -hmm. Like and I've had to like just do that myself just to like, just to do it. But I think an app could really be a good idea because I feel like sometimes people just, don't even know how to approach it. You know, I think um, as not that we're at a different level or anything like that, but I think as you and I are, it's more like natural or it's easier to even like knock on that door of like self checking in, you know what yeah. I mean? Where yeah. for a lot of people, it's not, it's not like an instinct. It's not like a, you know what I mean? Like for example, when uh, let's say for example, we can't focus on your work like, for example, I think you and I can easily be like, Sam, oh, what's wrong? Like, what, what's going on? Like, blah, blah, you know, where a lot of people don't naturally, like, revert to that. Yeah. You know? And yeah. I think it's something that, like, overall, I mean, I'm trying to change that narrative where I feel like um, people should 
look in before they like look out, you know, in sense, you know, externally. Um, but before I do forget, I did want to mention, um, oh shit, I forgot. <laughs> you mentioned something that was so great. It was, it was about, um, oh, it'll come up. Dang it. It'll come oh. up. But um, we were talking about we were talking about grace, and we were talking about um, oh okay. So overall, one thing I've also noticed, even as a personal trainer myself, and I'm sure you as a therapist have also encountered, when we are making changes in our lives, like uh, lifestyle changes rather, in all sense, how I've noticed people have a fear of that more so because it will shift their external life. Mm-hmm. A lot of people hesitate to look within because they don't know what that would mean after. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, I'm sorry? I was just speaking to your point. Yeah, the, like the, the uncertainty of like what right. we're about. Mm-hmm. Right. So how, how can, if I ask you directly, how can I be, how can I start practicing to be okay with that mm-hmm. uncertainty? What would you say? start being okay with the uncertainty. I mean, I, I, I hate to sort of say it in this like very like um, this simple kind of like duh way, right? Yeah. And I don't, I don't mean to, I hope I don't come off that no. way. No. <laughs> this, it, it's, I mean, I feel like a lot of this really does boil down to, to kind of simple things, even in this large, I mean, people are buying books. I mean, it, it really, it's boiling down to like sitting with your thoughts, sitting right. with your emotions, learning, educating, having empathy, practicing empathy, compassion. It's like all the shit no one taught us, you know, it's like, and, and so it's, it's interesting to see that it, it kind of boils down to this. I mean, outside of systemic racism and, and needing to be active and dismantling that, of course. But I just mean in terms of what that work boils down to like individual like level it's interesting that it boils down to kind of these very basic simple things that are, that I, I joke around and say it's like pilates like it seems kind of easy to do but very not. Right. <laughs> exactly pilates it's pilates um shit now i'm forgetting your question but, so, i guess how can i become okay with being uncertain with this new me in a way because it, it is almost like you're unlocking levels that's how, how i see it you know like there's no end it's mm-hmm. almost like Pac-Man. <laughs> There's no end, but it's just like you're just eating all that stuff and like you're figuring things out. You're unlocking all these things. And it's just like, shit. Like I, I'm almost like, um, even like from my personal experience, like I realized like as if I've um, as unlocked these levels, you say, I've, it's almost been hard to connect with old friends or, or be the same person in old relationships, you know? Yeah. So it's like, how, how can I be okay with it's, being say like losing friends even or yeah. or being able to not relate with people that were like my stability in a way yeah. like how do I become okay with that yeah that's such a good question especially too with like insecure just ending and, and wanting to talk about how much that brought up the friendships and relationships in general yeah um yeah I think for the first first and foremost it's it's again making space for those feelings um, speaking to them, right? Like speaking to how uncomfortable it is to even be open to change, right? Mm. And, and knowing that it is very much part of the process. I mean, um, I think therapists do a really uh, good job, right? In terms of just normalizing those feelings and right. normalizing the process of, 
of change. I mean, naturally we are resistant to it, right? We kind of want to maintain that status quo. And so if that means, um, you know, keeping people around that aren't the healthiest for us, I mean, um, sometimes that's what it looks like, you know, for our journey until we reach a place where, and I think we each reach this on our own and in our own ways. Um, but yeah, until we reach a place of like, that, that story is no longer serving me. Right? Those, those right. people are no longer serving me. That story is no longer serving me. Um, yeah, I think a lot of us get kind of stuck in the narratives of like, but these were my friends for so long. And right. what does it, you know, what, what does it mean for me to grow and, and to kind of leave them behind? Um, it's a very real feeling and, and it comes up a lot in our work. Right. Um, and that's part of it, right? Family, friends. Yeah. Right. Anything you could, um, I guess, speak on finding that courage to mm. even like take that leap you know because it's not only the like the figuring out like oh shit I may have to like end this relationship let's say but also like how do I actually like jump off the cliff let's say and do it you know how do you yeah. find that that courage I mean for me I think it's very linked to self-love in a way but I mean, what are your thoughts on it as a therapist and also as a, as a woman yourself? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think that is all part of the, the inside job, the inside work. I mean, I don't, there's no specific thing that I would, I guess, and again, in terms of like speaking in generalities, but um, I think it's just highly, highly personal stuff that um, is for everyone to kind of navigate and sort through. Um, I think most of us have that courage. I think we've just been led to believe that we shouldn't. And there's a lot of stigma with mental health. There's a lot of stigma with um, even taking care of ourselves, right? As women of color, I think we've been socialized and, and conditioned to believe that, you know, everyone else comes before us. And we mm -hmm. kind of put ourselves in the back burner. And that story we believe for so long. So there's a lot of guilt when there's unlearning that, right? There's a lot of um, discomfort when even till this day, there's some time, not too long ago, actually, I, I woke up kind of feeling pretty, um, just crappy. Like I, I felt like I was coming down with something and I, I wasn't sure. And in the context of COVID, I was like, okay, let me be safe. Yeah. Um, and so that same morning I had like canceled my sessions for the day. And that was, that was hard to do. You know, that was hard to do to, to sort of, to, to put myself first, you know, and, and to prioritize that. Um, so that unlearning is again right. lifelong and i think it, the discomfort and the guilt is is part of the process in terms of changing that story for ourselves right how did i think like an example how was there anything maybe you said or did to yourself personally when you were like trying to tell yourself deanna it's okay to cancel today yeah like yeah. What, what did you do just you just said it was okay to cancel today <laughs> Yeah, it's the story. I mean, in, in with my clients, we do a lot of, um, you know, unpacking and, and really trying to understand what the stories are, the stories that we tell ourselves. And, and we kind of can pay attention to them if we, if we allow ourselves to. And that's where mindfulness comes mm. um, But when we have a trigger or something that, yeah, something that triggers us, um, we typically have a cycle of thoughts and emotions and behavior that will follow. And so understanding what that cycle is and paying more attention to the themes and the narrative. Right. Um, 
and consciously choosing to respond to that narrative differently, consciously choosing to write a new narrative. Um, and that's, of course, not easy to do. And so with each moment that we reinforce that new narrative, I think it, it obviously helps shift, right, the, the guilt and the discomfort. I think, um, and again, that's very different for everyone, and that looks very different, but that's what it was like for me, right? I, I wanted to take the day off. Um, a narrative came up that I'm very familiar with in terms of like your therapist, like you're supposed to be on the front lines, like your you know health you know is secondary. Um, I think a lot of therapists are struggling with that right now too, right? How to show up for their clients at the same exact time that they're also struggling with the same thing, right? We're not really used right. to handling um, the situation. It's the first time for everybody, right. um, and so yeah, consciously choosing to not you know, buy into the guilt or the discomfort of, of putting myself first by putting myself first. Um, mm. I think you mentioned something very important, like the conscious choice. I think yeah. sometimes we don't think that those things are options. Exactly. You know, sometimes we just like, it just, it just, I feel this way. It's like, no, you chose this. <laughs> right. And, and we're not conscious of it. And so when we, when we do become conscious of it, I think there is this discomfort too of like, oh, like I'm aware of this and I keep choosing it. And so that's where that grace comes in. That's where that mm. compassion comes in because we're human. Right. Know, we're human and that's all part of the process. And so I try to normalize that as much as I can. Um, right. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I love that you gave that example. You were open about that because I think you're right. I think um, we do, not only as women of color, but just in general as women, I think um, we almost have this resilience in us um that we feel the need to like just put ourselves second and it's so important for ourselves first it's like not i always like tell myself um that i can't like pour from an empty cup 100 yeah. you know like I, I can't do that so i have to think well it's almost in the greater good of things like i have to have my cup full like samantha has to be okay because yeah. if samantha's not okay then she can't train people well and then that sucks yeah. for them that's even worse so sam take it off you know or whatever you right. know? Right. yeah yeah too it's kind of like um almost negligent yeah it's almost like i'm being a, a horrible like a, a bad trainer if i do that let's say yeah. you know what i mean so and it, it sounds like dramatic but it's the truth yeah. <laughs> you no. know in a way yeah and that's true whether we are therapists or trainers um regardless of the work we do it's just true in, in terms of being human we can't right fulfill or, or, or pour into our relationships if we haven't we haven't started with ourselves so right universal truth right thank you for sharing that so now i have random funny questions um okay i think uh, okay. they're very personal to you okay. <laughs> they're personal to you so um yeah share whatever you like and there's no okay. judgment um okay so what are your favorite ways to move your body mm. if you want to do a pre-lockdown and post-lockdown up to you <laughs> It, they're still intense. My husband makes fun of me all the time. He's like, you like meathead workouts. Like, I just love intense <laughs> workouts. Like, I'm like, if I'm not moving a truck, like, I'm not moving. I don't, I think that's <laughs> I don't know. I don't no, no, I, I can relate. <laughs> so you would say, well, like, lifting heavy weight, I'm assuming, obviously? Lifting heavy weight, um, uh, calisthenics, body weight stuff. Like, this morning, I, I, I tried to still incorporate mobility stuff, so... Okay. Um, yoga. Can't do Bikram right now, but but yoga. Bikram. Um, I'm not a runner, so I definitely don't do running. It's not my thing. Me neither. 
Um, but yeah, lifting, yoga, I've been doing a lot of spin. Like I said, we got the bike. Um, so yeah. Okay. Okay. What are your top three favorite things to do right now? Oh, right now, read. Okay. Um, what are you currently reading? What am I currently reading? White Fragility. Oh, okay. I'm currently reading. It's one of those books that's out there on the on the anti-racist book list. Um, yeah. Uh, and it's been actually very helpful to read even as a woman of color, just kind of gaining a different perspective of what it's like for white people who have been racialized and um, why it's really hard for them to have this seemingly simple conversation um so that's been it's been a it's been a good read actually okay um reading sleep hygiene really important so I, i've been trying to get better with my sleep okay um what other thing yeah i would say reading reading and sleeping sounds pretty boring but those are my things right <laughs> now <laughs> okay um, what's your favorite current pick-me-up song Ooh, what's my favorite pick me up song? Well, first of all, I've been super obsessed with Snow Allegra. So oh, I love that one. I got her album on like repeat. I love that one. It's so soothing. Yes. You know? it's like, Have I you seen her tiny desk? Her what? Her tiny desk performance. No. Oh, when you have time, go on YouTube and watch her tiny desk performance. It's okay. like so intimate, it's just so deep. Oh. Yeah. She's She's awesome. So yeah, I, I, oh, my third thing I would say, yeah, sunbathing, golden hour is like my time. I love it. <laughs> and I put on Snow Allegra and I'm just laying there and taking it in. It's so glamorous. I love it. <laughs> I can't even imagine. You're like, high, like glowing. I'm so Allegra playing in the background. This is like, that's very glamorous. I love it. <laughs> I'm sorry. I don't mean crispy, but it feels good. Sunbathing feels so good. And my dog loves it too. That's all she does. Like when the sun is out, you can't even get her attention. She's like, that's so cute. That's funny. No, I agree. I think one thing that I appreciate more than ever is laying in the sun or like from the sun on my skin. Especially now in COVID, I'm like, no, I need to go outside. The sun's out. I'm going out. Right. <laughs> yeah, when it's good weather, I'm like, try to, try to be active outdoors. I'm a I'm a pretty active person, um, mm -hmm. and so even incorporating that, right, like, what, as a mental health professional, still also speaking to the importance of physical health and, and making sure that people understand that that connection is really important. So yeah, outside time, sunbathing, that's all part of it. Okay, no good, no yeah, for sure, and that's definitely a great thing to do, I love that. Um, and then the last question is, um, any quote that you live by or any life motto for oh. Deanna? You could pick one. I know we all have like a bajillion, or at least two. Oh my God. <laughs> well, I don't want to say anything cheesy. It doesn't matter who's judging. Uh, oh, I feel like the first one that comes to mind is like. <laughs> I, love, I love that's your worry. You're like, I want to say anything cheesy. <laughs> I feel like as a therapist, I should have like a Rolodex of like mantras. And I do. Oh, well, just, that's a story, you know. <laughs> <laughs> um, shitting myself, shitting myself. Uh, yeah, if it, if, if nothing changes, nothing changes. I mean, I mean, it sounds so, again, simple and, and literal, but it's very true. Mm. Um, it can be applied to pretty much anything, right? Our mental health, our physical health. Um, if we're not consciously and actively in, involved in self-growth or self-discovery, um, what are we doing? You know, right. What are we kind of doing? We're on autopilot. That's what we're doing. Right. Right. So it's my go-to right now. Another one that's 
uh, or a book that I'm thinking of that's filled with a bunch of good like mantras is Atomic Habits. I don't know if you've read it by James Clear. No, I have not. But I love it. I'm actually reading it again. I read like five books at the same time. But um, <laughs> I'm rereading that right now. Really good. He has like good like quotes. We put them on the mirrors around the house. Oh, I so. like this. Is it called Atomic what? It's called Atomic Habits by James Habits. Clear. Okay. Um, he just I, he has a newsletter that comes out every Thursday. He just has like really practical and digestible mm. habit building tips um, and quotes in the book that were like super gems. Oh, that's amazing. Okay. Okay, great. Yeah, thank you so much for coming out. Oh my God, you're so, no, thank you, first of all. <laughs> but of course, you're so welcome. This was, this was fun. This, this was, was fun. fun. And um, I hope to hopefully meet you in person soon. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Cool, yeah. We should like do blind. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> when things open up. I know. Oh, so thank you so much, guys. Thanks for listening to the podcast. And uh, I'll have all Deanna's information linked below in the show notes. Guys, you follow her on Instagram and check out her site and all her work. And um, again, thanks for coming on the podcast. I appreciate it. <laughs> thank you so much for listening into this episode. If you truly enjoyed it, please feel free to share it with someone that you think can truly benefit from this episode. If you have time, give us a five-star rating on iTunes. Why not? Help us out. Also, um, make sure you check out the show notes so you can have uh, get more information on our guest. And I will be back soon. Tune in next week, guys. Bye.